All right. Bismillah. So assalamu alaikum, guys. Welcome to the Omarpreneur Live podcast. And today I have a very special guest that I'm excited to bring to you, Sister Razia Hamidi. Assalamu alaikum, Razia. Welcome, Sam, everyone. I'm so excited to have you. And Razia, just to give you a little bit of background, guys, is a professional spiritual and relationship coach. So she helps Muslim couples build their marriage on love, harmony, and Islamic spirituality. And I don't know if you follow her Facebook page. If you don't, then make sure to follow it, Razia Hamidi, on Facebook. And she always posts in regards to Islamic spirituality, in regards to connecting and reconnecting back with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's just always so inspirational to read, mashallah. And so I wanted to bring her on. Because what she has to say, not only through her content, but also when she speaks, is always valuable and insightful. And so she really approaches her coaching from the heart and is someone who focuses on not only helping her clients in regards to this material life with their relationships, but also with their connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so I'm sure this is going to be an amazing, fruitful, and insightful discussion that we're going to have today, inshallah. Thank you so much for coming on, Azia. So happy to have you. Alhamdulillah, I'm really excited for the conversation and anytime I get to talk about my work and just my passion in, in this area, which I believe is something that obviously everyone needs. That's why I do what I do. So I'm excited to speak to this community and audience. Alhamdulillah, definitely. And we're so, so excited. And the first question I always ask to every person, and I think my favorite, is to know how you even got started as a coach or how you became an entrepreneur. Because you know, we're not born entrepreneurs, right? We go through a certain journey that inspires us to then build our business or do something on our own. So what was that journey for you? What did that path look like? Um, so it, it, it's funny that you say we're not born entrepreneurs. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like many of us are. And I mean, okay. if we go back to the Islamic tradition, I mean, many of the Sahaba and successful Sahabi, they were entrepreneurs, right? And um, there's so much to be said about that topic, but uh, alhamdulillah, it's been, a, it's been a long journey. It's been one of discovery. It's been one of lots of mistakes and trials and errors and pain. Um, but ultimately, if we're specifically talking about my coaching practice, uh, it started, I officially launched publicly last year. Um, it is something that I would say I've been doing in the background for years. I've been involved um, at a community level in Canada and nationally in Canada as well for the last decade, if not a bit more. And what I can, you know, through my my growth with um, with Islamic knowledge and with the Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, it was realizing it was realizing that there's a certain block that we keep hitting. Um, you know, there's only so much community programs, um, organizations, and things can do or take people so far if we have a dysfunctional family unit. If we have a dysfunctional, um, toxic, or just unhealthy, um, you know, foundation at home, it doesn't matter what you know spiritual talk you have. Doesn't matter how many conferences you go to, um, it, it will only take you so far. And so it was finally coming to this realization that something there's so many people suffering alone. Unfortunately, there's still a lot of shame um, tied to you know if we have issues, we can't talk about it, and we don't even know where to go, or there aren't. Um, there aren't resources and if there are i found that there was a lot you know alhamdulillah uh, there's a lot of muslim therapists out there now that are doing incredible work but it was always reactionary it was always okay if you got issues now come and so in my practice not just with couples but with individuals it's heavily focused on preventative when okay. things are good that is when you should be doing the work you don't wait for things to happen um to start you know taking action it's literally like trying to plan for a tornado when there's a tornado coming over your back 
So I always use that analogy, you know, don't, if people come to me like, Razia, just help us fix it because there's a tornado coming. You're not going to be in the right state of mind to achieve that. And that's with anything. We're not just, you know, I, I talk about relationships and it's a real, it's a bigger term than just marriage that I want people to understand who, you know, if you're on this and shall you watch later, but it's your relationship with yourself, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then, you know, the people around you. Um, and so I realized, you know, when, as I was going down my coaching practice, the research out there, there's so much to be said and so much benefit to the people who uh, focus on preventative people who invest and plant those seeds um, before things happen uh, couples who go to premarital counseling the rate of divorce is reduced by 50 percent, and that's huge right i'm um, laying the groundwork inshallah the foundation and so um you know uh, I, I was doing that in my community role working and coaching individuals mentoring for years and i Alhamdulillah, I work with Sheikh Mohammed Al-Sharif as well. And so, you know, he's inspired my journey a lot as well. And just um, his practice and mashallah, the way that he thinks about things. And it was realizing that I can do this for free and I can, you know, I dabble in it here and there. But the reality is um, when people make that commitment with finances and, you know, it's something that's professionally put out there, A, I'm going to be able to reach a wider audience. People need this. And I, and I firmly believe that. And, um, and so it was, you know, putting, putting, that into action, putting my website out there, just putting my services and then allowing a platform for people to engage with me. Um, you know, I did so much work for people like, can I get in contact with you? And the reality is I can't be there serving um, each person that I come across, but I knew that Alhamdulillah there was a message that could resonate and social media provides that opportunity. So Alhamdulillah, you know, with that, I, I was able to just launch last year and Alhamdulillah, it's been go, go since then. Mashallah, that's amazing. And that's nice to hear. I want to rewind a little bit, Razia, because sure. now I want, I know what you're doing now, but I want to rewind to, I mean, there was probably a point, I mean, in your life where maybe you were still going to school and you were still, you know, not sure about your career. What was it that motivated you to, you know, decide that, you know, instead of getting a job and maybe going the traditional route, I want to do something on my own and, and, and build this and offer that as a service. Like, what was that decision? What was that turning point for you? Yeah. Um, so I always joke around with people. I'm like, in my past life, I was a teacher. Um, so I did, you know, I went to university, the traditional route, all of our parents. Um, again, you know, there's, it's, it's understandable that I think yeah. the baggage as our, our, our parents who are refugees or first generation immigration um, immigrants come with, you know, you go to school and you get a job and that's it. And um, who I am, I don't know. It was just this rebel or there's, I've always had this calling, this passion. I knew that um, I just, it's, it's, it was Allah subhanahu word constantly. Like I just felt uneasy. Um, even as a teacher, I was always challenging certain things. I just, I knew, you know, I have my clowns about the education system. And so I only lasted a few years because I was like, I can't show up. Um, the system doesn't work. This doesn't serve students in the way they need. Mm -hmm. And so from there, I uh, had launched a small e-commerce business for a while. Alhamdulillah, it taught me so much. I you know, learned to just have the back end of what goes on in that world. And then um, Alhamdulillah, connected me with Sheikh Mohammed and I started that work. And so that really introduced me to the entrepreneur life and just what that mentality uh, looks like. And from there, um, it was knowing I didn't want to work for some, I, I didn't, I wanted to do things on my terms in terms of, I, I couldn't I couldn't be confined in because I, I have, you know, my passion for Allah's message can't be confined to 
other people's terms and it can't mm -hmm. be um and, and i didn't find that in my job mate necessarily i mean i still work with Sheikh Mohammed, so i do find it through that alhamdulillah and i'm able to still have my coaching practice and it complements but it was knowing that what the message that i have that i want to share and that i want people to wake up to um is it going to be it's it won't be um possible if i was still a teacher it wouldn't be right. possible with certain um with certain restrictions that come with those kind of roles and so it was just knowing i wanted to push back past that and getting really clear on my why which is something you know we always have to come back to yeah and i think that's the most important thing because you, you mentioned something interesting which is you kind of felt uneasy at some point right and it's um it's something that i experienced myself not only as uh you know someone that was going to school or working but also even with my first business you mentioned you started an e-commerce store mine was a marketing agency i still run that agency but it's not uh, something that truly brings me fulfillment yeah. uh, in a sense. And I really felt like I wanted to do something that was more related to my faith, which I was, was very passionate about, but I was also passionate about entrepreneurship. So how could I combine both worlds? And yeah. that's what brought Umarpreneur. And so I think when you feel that in your heart, when you feel like maybe I'm, maybe this is not exactly where I should be, it's really, uh, it's, it's hard to put into words, but you'll feel it inside of you. And yeah. then and that's kind of a sign that's your body physically telling you that maybe there's something out there that's better for you. Maybe you'll be better aligned with a bit of a different path or in a different direction. So it's interesting for you to say that. And so now you're on this path where you're helping. Now, that's actually an interesting question. Why did you specifically focus on helping couples? You mentioned you really want to help the family unit because I agree. I think now more than ever, the family unit is not as strong as it used to be, yeah. right? Uh, not only between husband and wife, but between children and parents. There's a bit of a, a disconnection that's happening, right, yeah. between generations. What is it that inspired you or motivated you to focus on this problem specifically within the community? Um, I, I just want to say one thing. You. <laughs> you know, listening to that unsettling feeling that you have, I talk about this a lot in my work. Um, Allah subhanahu gives us our own intuition and, and that's a mercy and that's a blessing. And unfortunately, um, we're raised many times to not trust that, not to trust ourselves. And so if you have that unsettling, like I was a teacher for seven years um, and I, you know, as much as I love education and I love working with children, there was this unsettling feeling I was had. And Alhamdulillah gave me, you know, supportive family and spouse who would listen and, you know, challenge me. And I, I, I could talk those things out, which allowed me to, you know, explore these other um, opportunities that Alhamdulillah have been so incredible for myself. Um, and so, so I just want to say that if you're in a position right now, and, and again, it's messy. Like I then, you know, I went in that e-commerce route, realized, no, that's not what I want to do either. Um, so if you have that feeling, do explore it, right? There's a reason Allah's given that to you. So listen into it. Um, do trust yourself as well, inshallah. With Allah's uh, mercy and grace, you'll be guided to that. So sorry, uh, the question of family. So it, it was my initial, um, you know, not initial, but basically after being 10 years involved on different capacities and levels in the community, it was realizing that you there's no amount of community programs or conferences, um, you know, as part of one of the largest conferences here in Canada, RIS, for many years. Yeah. And it was realizing like none of that will do anything until people have a functional marriage. The power, and Allah subhanahu wa tells us this in Surah Furqan, right? Where Allah subhanahu wa says that, you know, those who are the righteous believers, it's a dua that you make, like, Allah, make um, us, make our family, you know, the coolness of our eyes and make them be leaders. And this part, like when I was studying uh, with one of the one of my teachers, it was this part like, why do they ask to be leaders? And it's because when you have a strong family who is the coolness of your eyes, 
alhamdulillah, you're able to give so much more. And so these people are not, they're not satisfied with a status quo. They recognize their role that Allah subhanahu has given them, but that only happens you know, when when that foundation's there, when the power um, that a couple can give one another. And so that's where, you know, that journey started for me. And as I started it, I've had to, you know, I've also recognized that it's just the individual. There may be only one person in a relationship who wants to work on it. The most important work happens when we just start with ourselves, right? Like we all know that change, you know, let's kind of does not change a people till they change themselves. Well, first that's at the individual level. So I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching for men and women, um, you know, be in their professional circle that they need help in uh in their careers personally in the relationship whatever it may be but the change truly does have to start with the individual and if we could put efforts and resources towards building you know 50 umar bin khattabs and samayas in our communities we have very different realities but if you go back to a home that continuously is toxic or just does not nurture that it's going to be really difficult and i think we see that we our divorce rates in the muslim community are just as high as um as the non-muslim community they are at, you know around hovering around 50 percent we and even those who do stay married are just their, their soul is being sucked dry because of just the reality around them right um the things that they're settling for or just a lot of secular mindsets that has infiltrated and we don't realize how it affects our relationship with allah how it affects our relationship with those around us so it was having all these realizations um throughout my journey and you know my my dedication to always making sure my my Islamic knowledge is a priority in my life. And Alhamdulillah was through that as well, coupling those and realizing this is something that has to, that, that has, I have to speak about. I don't think there's a lot of people focusing on preventative um, measures when it comes to personal, um, personal growth and also in marriage. Right. And, and you mentioned something interesting that I want to kind of dive deeper. Why do you think the, um, the rate of divorce is, is on a high? Why do you think it's increasing? What's the cause of that? In your that's, opinion. A loaded, that's a loaded question. It's a big question, but I'm curious to know your thoughts on it. Um, there's so many factors, right? I don't think there's just one. Unfortunately, um, it can be around expectations of marriage. It can be um, a lot of, there's a lot of um, turmoil that people are going through personally and they don't deal with and they bring that into a marriage expecting that to solve it. Um, first and foremost, I would definitely also say, you know, the relationship with Allah subhanahu wa One of the things I always end up my workshops with is that the the moment you can recognize that um, the needs or the expectations you have of your spouse are things that only Allah subhanahu wa can fulfill, you will be in a much healthier spot in your marriage. You'll be in a much healthier um, position to receive. And again, you know, we, we like to think we're above like a rom-com movie. Um, you can't. But there's so many expectations people have of marriage and of that relationship that are very much derived from unhealthy, unrealistic Hollywood type personas. And we bring that in. Like, I mean, I've, I've worked with some, mashallah, you know, people who are in the top of their game professionally and you would think are so mature and they're older. And some of the things that I hear, I'm like, are you are you kidding? You actually think like this. And so, um, you know, I think that's a factor as well and not having, and, and just not doing that internal work before you enter one of these important relationships. So I, I've seen a trend recently and I absolutely love it. Um, a lot of Muslim individuals who are not even talking to someone for the sake of marriage, but about to start that phase and like professionals mostly in their you know late twenties, early thirties, much like coming for coaching. Cause they're like, I want to do it right. And so they're working through some of their own issues and insecurities so that it doesn't enter that relationship. And, and that level of self-awareness is the best gift you can give your future spouse.
Right. Well, that's, that's, that's very powerful. And uh, honestly, it's, it's something that I think does need to be actively talked about and discussed. And there has to be a force for change. I'm happy that you're driving this force for change. And I want to ask you because you also add an element of spirituality in, in your work, right? <laughs> And uh, you focus specifically with Muslim couples. And not only do you help them in, in regards to their relationship, but you also help them in regards to their spirituality. And it's, yeah. I mean, again, I, I know I said it before, but your content is, is some of the best out there in terms of just being relatable and being just, you know, takes two minutes to read and it will definitely give you that boost. And so I love to read it. Alhamdulillah. And, and why is it that, you know, this is something that you chose to implement within your coaching? And why do you feel that this is important to implement with it? So I love this question. And it's it's and it's a fun, funny question. And um, I, I so I'll get clients who will come to me right and they're like, I, I've been seeing a therapist or I've been going to a coach, but I want I want someone who can give me the Muslim perspective. And um, and you know, you say I, I put in its spirituality to me, like that's the lens. That's the only lens I look at the world through, and I pray that we all do. So it's not that oh, here's the secular research about relationships, or here's the secular research about self growth. And then here's the Islamic, you know, I'm, I'm going to inject it. No, it's like, it's all Islamic. Like, this is how I function and how we should look at in the world. And that's what true success um, comes from. So I think that's really important to understand for anyone who's listening and you're doing certain things. You know, if you don't find you have that lens, like we, we got to do some work. Um, we've got to sit down and do some work because it's never separate from who we are. Um, so, so that part is, you know, there was no question, like my inspiration, my work, especially for my posts, that all comes like that, that comes from, you know, my connection with Allah subhanahu wa that inspiration comes from Allah. And, um, I, I had someone recently message me on Instagram and, her, and it was a, it was a brother and he was like, sister, you know, I love your content. He's like, I just want to know, like, how do you, how have you come about this? Like, how do you, uh, you know, how are you, what, what's been your journey and why do you write in this way or something? And I was just like, you're asking me, why do I see the world the way I see it? Like, mm -hmm. that's what you're asking me. I can't tell you, oh, I just went and did this degree and I studied with this shape and that's what led to this. Um, and this is why Lisbeth calls us to, you know, reflect. Like, do you not pause? Do you not reflect? And a lot of, and I know my flavor is a little different and it's sometimes messaging that people like, I've never thought of it like that. And that has come from my personal journey. That's come from, you know, having that relationship with the Quran. And I pray that Lisbeth strengthens it. I'm not perfect, but I strive to constantly, you know, what I'm learning, reflecting and connecting it back. So, you know, I'll read something maybe in a secular book and I'm just like mind blown because it's, you know, it's so rooted in our beliefs. And so, um, and so that's part of like everything that I do. And so I'll get people who maybe aren't as practicing in their deen and they'll come to me and, you know, I'm very aware that yes, they want some, some dose of Islam and, you know, I come at it full force because that's what I'm about. And Alhamdulillah, you see that shift, you see that shift they have and they're like, oh my God, of course, like I'm, I'm looking at it as a silo but it's so, it has to be at the center. Like Allah subhanahu wa and his word have to be at the center. So when you ask the question of, you know, what are some of the issues in um, that couples have in marriage? I would say first and foremost, also recognizing that the shaitan is at war with you and the spouse. Like there's a hadith that's been narrated to us where the prophet وسلم, said, um, you know, that, that the shaitan gathers with his army and he, each one comes and shares what he's done and he's like no that, that was okay that was okay and then the one comes and says today i separated a husband and wife and he says you have done right because once you break up the family the rest they'll self-destruct on their own mm -hmm. um, you know and so 
that right there like understanding that it's not about the kitchen sink or that he didn't take the trash out like there is waswas of shaitan and there it, like he is our sworn enemy so why do you sit back why do you check out and same with personal growth we're so laid back oh i've had a tough day so i'm just going to binge netflix for five hours like recognize that distraction is a tool of shaitan recognize procrastination is a tool of shaitan um, and unless you can root it in that, you're just going to go after superficial, very hollow spirituality, a self-growth type messaging that exists heavily out there. And I can probably talk about it for hours. <laughs> um, you know, there's a reason why there's like hundreds and thousands of self-development books being pumped out every year. Do you know why, Abby? Please tell me. <laughs> well, because everyone's looking for a quick fix. We're all looking for, you know, I want to, I want to do it. I want change, but make it really easy. Right. And as a believer, we sit and we recognize and we accept that Allah says that the path to him, it's like in Surah Al-Balad where Allah says there's one path that is really high, steep incline initially, but then it's flat after. Right. And then there's the other path that's really easy right from the get go, but after it's hard. And that's the believer and the non-believer analogy that Allah gives us. Yes, the believer strives. It's tough. Dunya is tough. Like stop trying to fall into some illusion that why is this hard? Like being an entrepreneur, having a business, I mean, you know, I've got so many things pulling me, but alhamdulillah, I understand why I'm doing it. I understand there's challenges and tests with it, but we're all looking for that change. But I want it easy. I really don't want to do the work. So until, you know, we we understand that there will continue to be self-help books that are repetitive and say the same message that the one last year did. And we will eat it up and we'll feel good. But then that's all that's, you know, it will always take you so far. So yeah, that, that's my answer. What's, what's the solution for that, Azia? What's the solution for, for because I, I witnessed it as well. And like with a entrepreneur, we're trying to help Muslim entrepreneurs grow their business and and, and achieve more essentially. And, and, a, and a big part of it is never, like I'll tell you my biggest challenge is with all of my students, it's never the strategy. It's yeah. never the method. It's always doing the work. It's always actually waking up every day and working and, and, and you know, combating that distraction and procrastination. Yeah. So in your opinion deeper than that it, it's yeah. not the doing the work there's clearly blocks that we have mentally and that's where like you know i focus on the coaching the mindset right it's the mindset it's the insecurity and guess what if you're con like you can be confident but if it's rooted in the wrong thing if your confidence comes from external things and not from Allah subhanahu wa um you know it's a matter of time before that train's going to derail like like it or not that's the truth yeah. um so i would say you know it comes back if you do not have a relationship with Allah Subhanahu. If you don't have a regular relationship from the Quran, and I'm and I'm not saying like go read a page, right? Like you can't just go read a page and think, okay, well I'm doing good, or and you get that where people are like, well I'm praying and I don't see a change, and you know it's got to be on my terms. So it's no, do you live like? And I had a post a couple of weeks ago about this. Like the Quran is living. Allah Subhanahu's words are living. Do you connect with it like that? Do you? truly reflect and take that one verse and be like, how do I understand this? How do I apply this? And when that practice starts in your life, when prayer is truly seen as the gift that it is, um, and you know, you find that peace and you connect and you truly are connecting with the words that you're asking of Allah subhanahu in your prayer, um, and you embody that, that's where the transformation starts. And so these things that these strategies, I mean, I like, you know, I get excited when I wake up in the morning because I understand that this is all bigger than me, right? I understand that like me being here and inshallah, whatever reminder that I can share is bigger than myself. And that's what, that's what gets you excited about the strategy. Like I have a mission. I am accountable for sharing the work that I have. 
the the wisdom that Lisbon has given me and whatever inspiration, I'm accountable for this. And that's what keeps me going. So if someone has a tough time implementing strategies, because you don't understand your purpose to begin with. And so no amount of strategy and work will give you that. It's got to be, it's got to come back to, I am a Khalifa of Allah, because that is our purpose. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I've created them as Khalifas on this earth. And that word embodies so much. It's one who calls to good, who one who you know stands for justice, one who spreads and calls to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's way. And so if I'm not embodying that in what I do, I'm, I'm going to fall apart. I'm going to derail when things get tough. I will get burnt out, et cetera, et cetera, which I do. I do get burnt out, but I get back really quickly because it's tied to this purpose. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the most important thing because a lot of times things don't work out, right? Like we face issues, we face failures, quote unquote, but it's more like learning lessons. And and the only thing that's going to keep you going in the face of that is if you have a very strong purpose behind you. If you don't, Absolutely. then you'll crumble in front of in front of these challenges. And, um, and failure is part of like part of the entrepreneur journey. You and yeah. you can't you won't be afraid of that failure. And that's one of the things that um, you know I talk about a lot because fear cripples people and you know unless you can understand what that fear is tied to and what you're really afraid of when that courage comes from Allah like you can push through that fear in anything that you do yeah that's that's beautiful I love that Razia can you share with us a story of maybe one of your experiences in in terms of coaching with either a couple or one of your clients that has stuck with you because you maybe helped transform them in a certain way or they maybe came back after their experience with you and told you that you know Razia I had this moment with you where we discussed this or we went through that and that changed my life in this way is there anything that you can recall that would be interesting to share there's a there's so many beautiful stories um I have some awesome people alhamdulillah that I've been blessed to work with and be part of their journey um so one of the stories that stands out to me there's a sister who uh, came to me and she had so many insecurities and she really it was really um, stagnating her growth professionally and so she felt like in her workplace Michelle she works for you know a huge firm and she just felt like she kept playing small mm -hmm. she was afraid to speak up um, she was afraid to make her points known even though she could contribute to a problem or you know bring value she was just really afraid to to speak up and so she kept telling her this herself this story and it was really having you know a detrimental impact on her she felt insecure in her role and her abilities and so alhamdulillah we we did like one or two sessions um to break you know get to the core of what the issues were and it was just it was again connecting and bringing it back to Allah subhanahu wa giving her the courage and again, making it bigger um, than, you know, make, making her role, even in her job, and making her understand that connection that this is bigger than you, not to be afraid of failure. And subhanAllah, two months later, you know, she asked for a raise, um, mashallah, she got promoted. And she's just been, she's been so courageous in the way she shows up and her coworkers actually commented on it. So alhamdulillah to have like this timid person who's just so insecure, you know, wouldn't even just so much negative self-talk. And she was able to go from that to being promoted, to having courage and just showing up and bringing so much value to her team now, not re-questioning herself. And that filtration process we do that, well, I sound stupid. Well, you know, what would they think? So that was uh, one journey that was, you know, it's just so awesome to see her transformation, mashallah. That's amazing, Michelle. And if I were to, I know I'm digging deep here, but I, I like to get the juicy answers for our audience and for myself, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. So, what what did that process look like? Like, what did that what, what did it take for you to, to to achieve that transformation with her? Did you, so, yeah, go for it. Yeah, I mean, there's a few. There's definitely there's 
some deep work that's got to be done, right? That's personal to her, um, you know, identifying where those limiting beliefs came from, what she's, you know, what those beliefs actually sound like. Many of us don't know. We just know, oh, I'm afraid. Well, what does that really mean to you? So connecting with those limited beliefs um, and then countering that narrative. And at the root of it, it was coming to her understanding her purpose. Right. And, and there's no there's no magic formula. Like it's what I just shared with you guys. We are created to seek the pleasure of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are created um, to be a Khalifa on earth. So it was her connecting and answering that question. Am I really fulfilling that role? And if I am doing this, um, you know, if, if I'm fulfilling that role, what does that look like? And so when she was able to seek confidence from that role from that title and honor that Allah Subhanahu has given that's when you know things just opened up that was the mind shift because once you do that it does not matter you you don't have the fear of failure you don't have the fear of people around you so that was one um an exercise you know simple powerful exercise that i do is you're going to pick one verse from the quran and use that to define you you're going to pick one verse right now for the next three weeks. You're going to connect. You're going to live with it. You're going to, the Quran is the biggest intercessor for us other than the day of judgment. So I was like, you have to imagine it's literally this best friend, this coach, the supporter that's there next to you. And once you can get to that level, again, change happens, shift happens. Right. So, um, Alhamdulillah, that, that was like one of the, that was one of the components of that journey. I want to ask your opinion on something, uh, sister. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there are people who, have that connection or, or, you know, claim to have that connection. Most of the, a lot of times some, for some, it can make them a better person and it can make them actually achieve more and it can make them, you know, kinder to others and show up better for others in their work and in their families and in their relationships. Sometimes, however, unfortunately, there are also people who have that connection, but conversely don't really show their best selves yeah. in terms of their work and their relationships but the connection is still there, right? Mm -hmm. So what's the distinction between someone who has a connection with God and that becomes a, a leverage point for them to actually be a better person and someone who has a connection with God, but then they still aren't as great of a person. What's the difference? Yeah, and that's a really, uh, that's a great question. And I love that you bring it up because I do talk about this a lot. Um, we're not meant to just open up books and the Quran and just read it alone and consume alone and think we're growing alone or watch a YouTube video and be like, well, that's it. Um, the idea of, you know, it has different titles, right? Um, coaching, murabi, mentor. These are very Islamic principles. Um, and so even in my Islamic knowledge journey, it's making sure, you know, I have a sheikh, a mentor, a teacher I'm learning from who's guiding that journey because it's very easy um, to go and open up any Hadith book and read it and be like, oh, well, Here's, here's what this and this says. And so now I, I'm going to wage war with my family about X, Y, Z, um, which is so dangerous. And, you know, we've seen that many communities have suffered through that and probably still do. Uh, knowledge, it's like someone going and reading a physics book for level four and they haven't even read level one, right? And that happens with Islamic knowledge. So it's really unfortunate that we treat um, our relationship with, with knowledge and the deen in that way. Um, and so what I would advise if there is someone who's listening to this and maybe you're in that boat, um, you know, humble yourself and, and definitely get a teacher, get a mentor, get someone who, inshallah, can guide your your journey, your application of it. And at the end of the day, if your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa is not transforming and bringing out the best version of you, 
there's got to be work to be done. Like that <laughs> in itself, there's no way to put it lightly. Like Allah Subhanahu says, you know, um, on the day of judgment, we will run from those that are closest to us. And why? Because those are the ones who have the most right upon us. And um, we don't fulfill those. We don't fulfill those rights. So, you know, unfortunately, we sometimes bring um, the most nasty version of ourselves to those that are closest to us. You know, we, we dress in our nicest clothes when we go out. And then when we come in, we just shed those and wear our PJs. Um, and really, it's, you know, that it should be the opposite. So the Prophet ﷺ started his da'wah, his call to Islam with the immediate circle that was around him. And then he worked out. And so we've got it, our growth. If it's not bringing about positive changes and interactions in our circle, then you stay there and keep working at it. You don't go and and this is where like my qualm with um you know and I try to inshallah always voice that in activism like people um always ask that question well like how are you able to do that if you know and you're an activist as if they don't go hand in hand um and until your house is secure and solid you know like dunya will take care of itself the community will take care of itself inshallah but solidify this first yeah. solidify that and allow yourself to you know carry yourself in inshallah a way that is pleasing to Allah and if that's not happening you've got to sit down and do some deep work because I don't I would I would actually you know counter that I don't think there's a strong relationship with Allah if it's not transforming your actions in your heart mm -hmm. definitely and I think that's the purpose because you know there's there's the action and then there's the meaning and the significance behind the action and what it's supposed to do to you right, right? And, and all of these things kind of come together and sometimes you can have the action but you don't have the meaning necessarily. Mm -hmm. So it's important to have both to be able to achieve the most out of it and get the most benefit, inshallah. And the so, spirit of what it what the message is, right? The spirit of the message has to be carried through and that's what transforms, inshallah. Yeah. And it's a process, it's an ongoing process. It is, it's a never ending process, honestly. And there's ups and downs in, in everything you do, entrepreneurship and yeah. your connection with God and everything else. And so it brings me actually to a question that I wanted to ask you as well, which is, you know, for someone listening to this and, and they recognize that maybe their connection isn't as strong as it should be, and they've been struggling with that for a little bit. Is, is there anything that you personally recommend when you're working with your clients? Is there, is there any process that you walk them through to help them rebuild that connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Yeah, um, I would first get to identifying and having the awareness of what is the block in that, right? Yeah. What is the block in that connection that you're having? Um, I have a weekly halakha that I started actually uh, when COVID started and it was called Journey to God and it was you know basically give people access to um, a community and access to having that mentorship inshallah like whatever knowledge that I can share um, and that that book it's by Ibn Atad that I follow and you know his wisdom um, in that book but it's really this journey that you have to go on and identifying that there's many um, stations to that journey and so I think you know, we like to throw our hands up and we get overwhelmed, which, um, you know, but this isn't happening, or I don't feel that connection to Allah subhanahu wa And so it's understanding that first awareness has to start and, you know, hope has to be instilled. And so like one of the first stations that Ibn Abdal talks about is hope, having hope and fear of Allah subhanahu wa They go hand in hand. And then the second one is Toba, um, which is really important because this idea of being able to forgive ourselves so we can move on. And a condition of Toba is that we accept that Allah subhanahu wa has forgiven us. But you can't receive Allah's mercy if you don't have the capacity to. <laughs> and yeah. so many people are carrying around this guilt and baggage and guilt doesn't serve you. Um, you know, guilt is there, alhamdulillah, rahmah from Allah. So you feel guilt, you take action, you do the tawbah and you move on, but you've got to accept or forgive yourself in that process or else, you know, you're just carrying it around. It's like a mountain that's weighing, weighing you down constantly. So um, I think there's a lot of self-awareness that's got to happen. 
in those initial stages and find out, you know, what are those blocks and what what is it truly that's happening there? What's that disconnect? There's there's so there's so many deeper components and it's individual. I don't think there's like a cookie cutter that would work for everyone. There's obviously certain um, you know things that Allah has given us that bring peace to the heart that shall increase us in goodness and those we should follow and make those part of your practice and don't belittle. You know, in Surah Al-Mulk, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not say that, um, you know, we've we've created that, like, we've created you and tested you, those who are best in deeds, not who do the most deeds. And so, you know, pick pick some practices, add some sunnah, alhamdulillah, in the, you know, the month that Prophet was born, and pick some sunnahs and hold on to them. And watch how your life changes. Watch how your daily routine and the barakah changes. So, um, yeah, I, mean, I, I think it's just like, don't get overwhelmed by everything that's not happening or what your connection's lacking. But mm-hmm. console yourself, inshallah, start with the self-awareness and, and implement something that you want to hold dear and build with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, especially in this time where we currently live and it's harder than ever to honestly be practicing Muslim, and there's no doubt about it. Uh, I think I think being able to- and I will counter that, Abby. That's why- Really? History, okay, go for it. History. I mean, this is why history is so important. Okay. I mean, for 100 years, the Muslim uh, Khalifa was actually- um, was reigned in Egypt where the Muslim empire was. And it was, um, you know, a, a, a fraction of a fraction of these Muslims that wouldn't even allow the Adhan in the masjids. They actually shut down the mosques. This is a hundred years. The Muslim okay. empire went through that. So I feel like that kind of language, and so I to call you out. because No, no, for sure, please. Because uh, this is what I want. I want yeah. back and forth. I, we can't yeah. just agree on everything we we say. We have, oh. to, we have to have a conversation. And so this is why our generation, again, we're so consumed into social media and those headlines and clickbait articles, but there's no actual substance of knowledge that's being learned. Go read history. And that's what gives me hope. I'm like, man, we've been through worse. Like, this is nothing. Alhamdulillah, we're here in this platform, you and I, talking to people, reaching, inshallah, you know, hundreds of people. Like, my social media, I'm always blown away. Like, I always have this month. I'm like, how, like, subhanAllah, I have a platform to speak to, you know, 3,000 people, 4,000 people. Like, that's incredible. Um, So so I feel like that that's like a losing attitude. And we're like, oh, well, things are so hard. No, they're not. You can go downtown Montreal right now and pray in the middle of St. Catharines, who, you know, that's like our Denda Square for Torontonians. Um, and no one would touch you. No one would say anything. So no, right. you know, I'd be like, that that's that's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. We're like, oh, it's so hard to practice Islam. I'm like, you're we've you've got other blocks we've got to talk about then. Right. That's 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 a really good question. And uh sorry, really good sta- statement to come back to. But I will argue again in defense of mine, and, I, and I'm I'm happy to hear your uh, opinion yeah. on this. Because when I say this, I, I'm not only thinking about you know like practicing in terms of being able to practice. I mean, of course, we have the stigma around the hijab, and we both live in Montreal, so we're aware, you know, about like uh, the law. It's Montreal or as of last week. Yes. Oh, really? Where did you go? I'm in Toronto now. Oh, oh wow. I, honestly, that we have a big rivalry with Toronto. You know that you've just betrayed all of Montreal, so that's that's terrible. But <laughs> my heart's always going to be there. Definitely, definitely. So, uh, in regards to what I'm saying, I mean, like, let's say, for example, if we think of like students who are going through high school right now. Yeah. You know, Muslim students are going through high school. You know, you're you're essentially being in high school as a, as a Muslim kid. Like you're you're the uh, you're the black sheep right like unless you're going to a muslim high school you're the black sheep and everyone else around you is dating and everyone else around you is you know having relationships and maybe sometimes they're you know experimenting with recreational drugs and it's like you're the amount of times that you have to be like no 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 i still feel like now is more than let's say if you were going to school you know 200 years ago 300 years ago you know what i mean so that's that's kind of the perspective that i'm approaching it from what's your opinion on that do you go for it so i'm just gonna do a quick 
quick activity with you, Abby. All right, go for it. Can you see me? I can't. <laughs> yeah, why can't you see me? Well, there's it's blocked. There's you're putting yeah. something in the way. <laughs> so even though I got all this around me, you couldn't see me because you were focused on that, right? That was blocking mm -hmm. everything else. Yeah. And so my message to you always in that is we're, we focus on the haram. So you just list all the things I can't do. I can't go to dances. I can't date. I can't dress a certain way. But there's so much else going on. There's so many more opportunities and blessings that we have. Um, and this is where like parenting is huge. And I love talking about parenting and Sadbia as well. Yeah. Um, so again, it's easy, you know, Adam and Islam, Shaitan made him focus on only on the one thing he couldn't have. He had all of Jannah and Shaitan made it seem that, you know, you can't, th this is the one tree. And so we, we make that the focus. And so our energy flows where, you know, our focus goes, right? Mm -hmm. And so we can focus on all those things that we can't do. But I, I grew up in Canada. I went to high school here. I was actually in a very, I was the only hijabi um, in my high school. One of like maybe five is like a massive high school. And in my university campus, I was actually one of the only hijabis in all my classes in a very Caucasian city. Um, and so you 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 get to decide what am I going to focus on? Um, there's other opportunities or like high school, university. There's so many opportunities to grow in clubs. Um, and that's where parent and the foundation at home has to feed that. Right. You know, that's where you give strength and courage to your child, to these youth. So again, I understand that there's, you know, social media and phones are a huge distraction. Adults struggle with it. They're, they're unhealthy addictions. But it's easy to, again, just place that blame and be like, well, it's because of this, it's hard now. You know, there were challenges before too. I think it's what do we choose to focus on? Do we see it as an obstacle? Yes, I've got to overcome it. I've got to do some work to make sure I don't give into that. So I think what the youth are facing today um, there's new components and complexities, but it's not something that people before didn't face either. So the, yeah. the conversation comes back to th what's happening at home. You know, when you see like, let's, you know, Khabib, right? This past weekend, like, yes, bittersweet, his retirement, but you gotta love, mashallah, his character. You gotta love what his parents instill. The, it's just the boldness he has with his relationship with Allah subhanahu wa He does not give a crap. And that's the kind of attitude when I say like, go to war with shaitan, like that's the kind of attitude we have to have. And so it's easy to say, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. And I'm Muslim and there's so much Islamophobia in Quebec. It, yeah, it sucks. But if I know who I am, and like if we show up Khabib style, like we're good, right? But it's nurturing that courage and grown adults are struggling with that courage. And this is why like we do we do need support. We need, you know, Allah subhanahu is with the Jama'at. He's with the community. And that's a larger conversation on all these feed into it. But, um, you know, we have a breakdown of community in our family even before COVID, right? And it's not unique to the Muslim community. This is happening on a larger scale, even the non-Muslim community. People are so isolated. And we keep thinking, well, that's okay, or I don't need people. Um, yeah, the shaitan comes after the lone sheep. So if yeah. parents are watching this, you know, it's start, plant those seeds young, give your children courage in their identity as a Muslim. You are the first God figure in their life. The studies show that the relationship a parent has with their child, if it's healthy, the child will stay upon the deen into the religion. If you have an unhealthy relationship, it's going to affect the relationship with God. It, that's so powerful. So I get really excited talking about parenting um, because, again, I think so many parents have accepted learned helplessness. And I did notice this in Montreal, I'll be honest, even in the university community and professionals, this idea of like, well, you know, I, I have to go to this, even though it's like in a bar because like I won't get a promotion. This like learned helplessness that I don't have a choice. 
Um, and, and I counter that big time. I, I don't think that's acceptable. Let's that I will always be with you when you hold on to that rope. Um, but you've got to first have courage and yakin that Allah is with me and Allah will give me my halal risk. Allah will give me that courage. And I, I promise you, you will be respected more for holding on to your values than, you know, someone who falls for everything. Hundred mm-hmm, percent, and I, I honestly I can't argue with that, and I think it's important for us to have this discussion because I feel like there are people who think these thoughts, right? That I'm that I'm asking you right now, and that I'm questioning you with, and I think it's important for them to hear your answer. Because, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 please. I had a client last week. It was the first time I've had this um, this incident, and you know, alhamdulillah, it was an awesome opportunity and learning experience for me. She yeah. is a doctor, almost you know, in her residency, and she wears hijab. And she's contemplating taking her job off. And so she wanted to have a session with me to discuss this and go through it. And um, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was able to inspire me and guide me with you know, what she needed to hear. And it came back to understanding that she's got insecurities that have nothing to do with the hijab. She has insecurities and limiting beliefs within herself. And we projected that on our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We project it on, um, you know, making, thinking that if I give this i will gain this and it was understanding that alhamdulillah blessed her she, you know she was waiting to do her residency for so long alhamdulillah she got that opportunity so it's like now that listen has given you this blessing you're actually moving away instead of like increasing more and be like what more can i do to submit right islam is submission what more can i do to submit to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? and so it was like recognizing that and then she shared how you know so many social media influencers have taken their hijab off this year and she's like you know the excuse they gave was, well, I can still be a good person without my hijab. And I was like, yeah, you can still be a good person without praying. You can still be a good person without, um, you know, drinking alcohol, like all these things. But that's not what submission is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we submit. I, you know, I submit to whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands in the Quran. And I strive to do that moment to moment to moment. And that's what Islam is, right? So, um, so yeah, so it was, it was such an awesome conversation because, these are the conversations that people are having internally. And, and we try to soothe ourselves and give permission to ourselves with things that are not pleasing to Allah. And, and they're so destructive and they're so detrimental and you'll feel more empty and hollow and unhappy in your life when you go down that path. 100%. And that's, that's definitely something that uh, we, unfortunately, a lot of us experience in, in the community and a lot of us go through these times. Then it's only when you're actually out of it that you realize just the hole that, that was filled. Um, now, Razia, we're, we're kind of running short on time. I honestly wish we could keep this going for hours. I really do. Um, but guys, whoever's still here with us, and Rochelle, we have an awesome audience and amazing people who are constantly just sending comments about how they're enjoying this conversation. If you guys have questions for Sadazia, drop them in the comments because I'm going to ask her one more question and then we'll dive into some Q&A, inshallah. So if you have questions for her, drop them in the comments. Now's the time. I have one more for you, sister, and it's for yourself as an entrepreneur right now, let's bring it back to entrepreneurship a little bit. What's your vision for yourself and your future? Where where do you want to take your career as an entrepreneur? Ooh, so I think about that question a lot, but I'm at the place. Um, so I've, I've got some big goals. Alhamdulillah, I have some big things that I definitely want to achieve, inshallah. And, um, and you know, I, w- I want to create waves with the work that I do. And I pray Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants me that. Um, but I've also learned that I've got to work at a pace that I still have peace in. So, um, you know, that hustle and grind culture, like I want to, inshallah, be making sure I'm working at a pace where there are certain practices in my life that I are not let go of, you know. Um, so I have like a certain number of speaking engagements I'll only accept a month. There are a certain number of, you know, programs I'll put out a month so I can protect 
my my relationship with Allah, my my journey to knowledge, like those are our priorities that have got to be there. Um, so in saying that, I work. I, I I do feel like there's moments where I'm working at a neutral pace in my practice and how much I would like to put out. I, I mean, I'm not there, but then I've got still have to like pull myself back. So some of the things, um, you know, inshallah, I definitely want to put out more monthly webinars. Um, Alhamdulillah, I did uh, one this past summer on willpower. It's something that really resonated because, again, it's looking at it through the lens of Islam, and it was really powerful, Alhamdulillah. So I want to put out more monthly webinars on topics, some of the topics that we spoke about today um, that are, you know, people are having those conversations with. Inshallah, I'm going to be doing group coaching um, that I'm excited about. And then it's creating more larger conversations and standards when we talk about preventative practices when it comes specifically to marriage. Um, so my goal is one day, inshallah, so please make dua for this, uh, for whoever's watching that. No imam, no sheikh should perform a nikah unless a couple has gone to premarital counseling. Um, you know, this should be our standard. It should, you know, nikah paper should not just be handed out like they're they're nothing. There's got to be some investment, emotional investment that's done from couples and certain countries around the world. I mean, I, the Catholic Church has adopted this, and you get people who have never stepped foot in a church, and they will go to these premarital sessions because they want to get married. And they'll invest that weekend into it, subhanAllah. And then we have Muslims who go to Jummah every Friday. And, you know, this is not something that is practiced at all. And they're, they're able to just get married like it's nothing. So um, countries like Malaysia and Iran have made it mandatory that you have to do premarital, a premarital course before getting married. They've seen a huge decline in their divorce rate. So my goal is one day, inshallah, across North America to set that as our standard. Um, that's like a larger goal that I have, inshallah. That's beautiful, Mashallah. That's amazing. And I think like in, in, within that course to teach like the uh, the ethics of Islam in regards to marriage and, and a relationship between husband and wife is would be absolutely important and also extremely beneficial because I mean, I think so many of us, you know, get married and we don't actually study what Islam says about marriage and what Islam says about having a relationship and how you should treat your husband, and how you should treat your wife. And we just kind of go at it like, well, you know, we'll, we'll kind of improvise as we go. And it's not always the best way to do things. <laughs> so much. There's amazing secular research in this area. Um, and it's so Islamic. So what I do in my work is really coupling that, allowing people to make that connection with this powerful research through the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the danger of arrogance. And that is one of the biggest qualities and indicators or predictors of divorce. Right. So it's it's just bringing it hand in hand. And somehow you see people's eyes just light up like, oh, my God, like, of course, how did I not recognize that? So um, sometimes I talk to Shayuk about the work I do. They're like, yeah, sister, we don't worry. We, we explain the rights of a husband and wife, you know, and, and before we marry them. I'm like, that's not what this is about. Everyone, you know, I think for the most part, people have a good understanding of the rights. That's not the problem that's happening in these marriages. It's not that I'm not fulfilling rights. It's, you know, I'm not understanding the power and spirit and blessing of this relationship and how you know I'm impacting it or how my spouse and, and the, the, the issues and just inshallah the framework that's needed so it's much more beyond just knowing the rights mm -hmm. that's beautiful and I and I hope that inshallah you'll be able to achieve this goal may Allah grant you blessing and barakah on this journey and sister mm -hmm. Rasay, I have one last question from myself before we dive into some audience questions we got a few here so I only be able to take a few guys so make sure to drop them and we'll try to go through as many as possible um, so mine for you, and it's one that I ask every single guest before we dive into Q&A, and it's if you could meet Razia from the time where she was still a teacher, right? And she, yeah. you didn't really dive into entrepreneurship yet. She was just someone who was kind of feeling uneasy and she wasn't really sure what her path was in life. And you could tell her one thing, what would that one thing be? 
there's so many. Um, I think the one thing I would focus on is, you know, just have have courage that's rooted in a lot. Have courage to call to Allah's way. And if you're doing that, know everything else falls into place half curse that's for Allah. you heard it right here guys this is it this is the message that you have to take away from this episode along with a million others by the way because we dove into so many amazing topics and discussions so are you ready to dive into some honest questions if that's okay with you yeah for sure inshallah let's do it all right so we got the first one here um that i'm going to pull up so this one says you mentioned that you used to be a teacher what's your advice for aspiring teachers do you think working remotely is better than an actual school for someone so this is about your experience mm. as a teacher um you know so this is a tough one and i, I really <laughs> try to avoid generalizations because it depends cool. on so much it depends on who you are it depends on you know your strengths some people like thrive online they can they can be effective and you know maybe they're inshallah inspired as teachers some people have got to be in the classroom and having that connection with the kids so it really depends on you um your personality what your strengths are and if you feel inspired and your energy is gonna you know inshallah show up and not suffer being remote then you know do do that so explore um you know get explore your strengths and weaknesses explore what you need as a teacher to feel inspired and then i think inshallah that will answer your question Got it. Awesome. So that was an easy one. Now we're going to go into a little bit of a harder one here. So we have another one from one of our viewers and they're asking, how would you deal with a client who may have depression? Yeah. So, I mean, I have uh, worked with clients who have depression, clients who have, um, you know, if it's chronic depression, then I definitely would re I refer them to a psychiatrist. I feel like th that's, you know, they're the best um, to serve you in that need. And this is, this is like a, the, we could talk about this, Abby, on a whole webinar because sure. <laughs> there, and, and, and I'm going to couple anxiety in here as well. There is an overdiagnosis of depression and anxiety. I think many of us run to, uh, run to drugs, run to just, you know what, I'm depressed. I'm depressed. And so um, you can't say anything to me because I'm depressed. Um, and yes, we all, I think right now, given all the factors that are going on in life, it's not, it's not, um, unique to just individual. I feel like everyone is battling that on some level. And all the societal factors that we have going on, COVID included, you know, isolation that even before COVID happens, lack of quality relationships. So it breaks my heart when, um, when I see like a person who's going through a divorce, and they've had to like move across, you know, the country or something, and then they're being prescribed drugs because they're depressed. I'm like, let's hold up here. You're going through a very huge life experience. Um, of course, there's some level of depression. Like that's that's part of the pain right now that's happening. So let's actually work on that. And there's research to show that drugs are not effective. Um, you know, that they they have to be supplemented with so much more. And again, research to show that if you work on, you know, building some good healthy habits, they have stronger and higher chances of getting out of depression than the drugs can. So, um, so when I work with clients with depression, I'll first identify that if it's chronic depression, you know, and they've been diagnosed with that, I just, I, I refer them to a psychiatrist. If it's someone who's just I would say, you know, an average person like you and I who's struggling with moments of feeling emotionally down, anxiety, which again, it, it does come, a lot of it comes from Shaitan, our, our sense of wanting to have control. And that's where as a believer getting in touch that nothing in this dunya is stable. Like we're all chasing stability. Oh, once I get that job, once I get married, once I have kids, things will be better. Let go of that. 
things will never be stable. That's that's what Allah promises us. That is dunya. So it's finding peace in that instability. It's being okay with things won't be stable. So clients I'll work with that are dealing, you know, with some of that tough love, but it's just all so honest conversations we have to have. We become so hypersensitive that no one can actually, you know, voice these voice these concerns and things. And I do try to do it. Um, cautiously and openly but I'm not afraid to say that like I think you know you're not suffering from extreme anxiety I think you just need to come to terms that you don't need to have control over everything that's going on or around you and that only Allah subhanahu wa is perfect and Allah subhanahu wa is the one in ultimate control so the more you can find peace and build that inshallah you'll be able to um you know build that inner strength and resilience that you need and I do have to put a plug in I'm doing a class um inshallah it's, it's through McGill MSA but it's open to everyone this November it's going to be through um, finding strength through the names of Allah so do join me for that if this is something like and we're going to be talking about a lot of these topics that I've kind of touched on inshallah it'll be a really beautiful community how, how can people sign up for that um if you go to my Yes, I posted it today on my public Facebook page and on my Instagram. I have the sign up form and you can also sign up for my newsletter on my website. I share all like events, speaking engagements I do. So I have one actually coming up this Sunday I'm doing. Um, and it's actually about the person I was named after, Rezia Sultan, um, her legacy and uh, inshallah Islamic inspiration we can get from that. Amazing, mashallah. So we'll make sure to drop the links as always in the description, in the caption, wherever you're watching, just look for the episode notes and you'll find the, the links. We'll also drop them in the comments, inshallah. Now, I have one here that I really want to ask you and uh, hopefully if we can do one or two more, then that would be awesome. So this one here is from another one of our viewers and they're asking a very beautiful question, which is, let me just pull it up here. <clears throat> one second. So how do you encourage your family members? So examples, brothers, sisters, or even parents to go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, like, how do you motivate them to increase their iman without offending them? I love this question. This is a question we need a whole series on, you guys. For sure. Um, first and foremost, you know, look, look at the sunnah of the Prophet It's about having a relationship with them. It's about having a genuine relationship where they feel safe, where they feel um, honest, there's, and this is where the conversation Abby you and I had about, you know, having a mentor and a coach is so important. Um, there's a reason people like Michael Jordan, you know, even the top of his game had a coach, guys. You can't achieve greatness on your own, um, having a coach. And so there, the Prophet Sallallahu he taught his Sahaba the art of da'wah, the art of that communication of what that looks like. So if you are coming at your family because they're not praying, um, if, you know, I'm going to try to give you a personal example. I had someone in my family who was buying a house on interest, a mortgage, and it pained me. It really pained me because that's not something um, that I believe, you know, is allowed within uh, our Islamic bounds. And so I had to approach that. But this person does not pray. Right. So Islamically speaking, let's look at it. What's the priority here, their prayer or this house, right? Both pain me, um, but it's having the wisdom and hikmah. And this is what the Sahaba would make to offer that don't just give us knowledge. Ya Allah bless us with the wisdom to implement that knowledge. So I had to ignore that haram to focus on what was important at that point, And that was prayer. If that person starts praying, inshallah, the other things will come. So, you know, if you're seeking knowledge, inshallah, you're striving to better yourself and you want to have that positive impact on your family, definitely do please get, you know, a teacher or someone, inshallah, who can guide you in that. But don't just go at your family. Assess what are the priorities here? Um, you know, what is really detrimental? And certain times you're going to have to ignore certain harams 
for the greater long-term benefit. And, and this goes for so much where, you know, people do focus on, you know, for women, hijab and the external, but she's not even praying or she doesn't even have a relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you're beating her up about this. It's like looking at a tree and we've got this fruit, like um, this conversation happens every year about Christmas, like, oh my God, Muslims are celebrating Christmas. I'm like they're not praying. Like let, let's just forget about them having a Christmas tree. So I, th I feel like those conversations happen a lot around, you know, dinner parties, et cetera. And it's so exhausting when I have to hear them because I'm like, that's not the, like, I get it. It pains us. It, it sucks that that's kind of like a, a norm among certain circles. But let's focus on the root. Because once the belief, once you accept, La ilaha illallah, you accept that Allah is my Lord and I submit to him. I submit and I accept that this is the prophet of Allah and I follow his sunnah. If you can live with that, and you can help someone get to that. Trust me, everything else takes care of itself. But we're not even there. We don't. We don't fully embody and live with what the shahada is. So that would be my advice to you: build a friendship, give that safe space so they feel comfortable, and then watch how they're receptive to inshallah what you want to share. But prioritize, focus on what's really important. Um, you know, if they're swearing, but again, they're not praying, and those things like don't don't get lost in trying to pick all the fruit, but the root still hasn't been uh, rectified. Start with the foundation. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. We got one more, inshallah, and then we'll we'll end this one, which is uh, one of our viewers asking, do you coach non-Muslims? And number two, do you see a huge difference between Islamic-based coaching and non-Islamic, referring to mindfulness and prayer, et cetera? Yeah, um, so I don't coach non-Muslims okay. because I just feel like the need in our community is so great, and that's what I'm trying to fulfill. Um, and I feel like I would have to kill a part of me to coach non-Muslims because like my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa is, is shapes um, my practice. It shapes how I look, how I interact and how I can help you. So I wouldn't be able to let go of that. Um, and then is there a huge difference between Islamic based coaching and non-Islamic? Yeah. I think it's a very hollow spirituality when we like people like Oprah, you know, sure there's, there's good there. And I take, I, I you know, I take some of the th lessons, things she shared, but a lot of the people that she brings on her show, unless they're like practicing um, some faith, it's a very hollow secular spirituality give me spirituality without god and so again mindfulness will only take you so far um you know certain practices that are implemented in this kind of um secular spirituality that we see that is very rampant and muslims are also impacted by you know self-care well, what the hell does self-care mean it's not a, having a bubble bath like yes rest but let's talk about real spiritual healthy self-care that tie, is tied to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um and you know we can have a conversation about it so yes there's a huge difference i feel like the other one's very hollow and there's a reason why depression anxiety are on the rise even though people are practicing you know mindfulness and that because it only takes you so far and then it, can, it just can't everyone's looking for that supreme being, which is a lot. And then until that link is made, all these practices will just leave you kind of on this edge of this cliff without the tools that you really need. That's amazing, mashallah. Wow. So honestly, I don't know about you guys watching this episode, but I know that I personally got a ton out of this discussion and I'm sure that you guys did too, alhamdulillah. So Razia, it's honestly been an absolute pleasure having you on. We've, dive, we've dove into some really important topics today, honestly, and we've had a conversation that I feel is necessary to be heard by hundreds and thousands of people. So inshallah, it will, guys, make sure you do share this episode and let everyone know about it. How can people connect with you? How can people support you? And, you know, keep up to date on your content because I know it's awesome and I love to read it personally. Alhamdulillah. So, I mean, um, my website, I put in the chat. I'm sure Abby will put it again. Razihamidi.com. Follow me on my social media pages. I post... Um, 
obviously daily content there, my newsletter, and I'll share uh, talks and things I, I do provide. You know, I make sure there's a lot of free resources I provide and free talks that I do. My weekly halakas that I talked about um, in November is focused on the names of Allah, but after that, we'll be going back to the book of Journey to God. And it's like free therapy sessions. That's why I tell everyone, I'm like, if you, you know, you can't afford me, at least come to that. I'm, I'm giving you something free and people get so much out of it, alhamdulillah. So go to that. I am taking uh, clients, I have, you know, for November. So I, I do focus on individuals. Um, I help people who need that transformation, that connection in their journey, and then also with couples as well. So you can contact me through my website and my email info at ratihamedi.com. Alhamdulillah. So thank you so much again for being here. And thank you all for watching live and for those who will listen after. And make sure if you're watching on YouTube or listening on Spotify or Google Podcasts or any of the platforms after this to subscribe, inshallah, leave us a five-star rating and we'll drop all of the links for Sister Razia in the comments or description. We'll see you guys next time. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome, Sam. Just for the opportunity, Abby. It's my pleasure. Thank you for coming on.